This is a podcast brought to you by Tourism Geographies, an international journal of tourism, space, place, and environment published by Taylor and Francis. In 2022, Tourism Geographies was ranked second in Scopus Site Score Tracker in the subject areas Tourism, Leisure, and Hospitality Management, and secondly in Geography, Planning, and Development. In 2023, it's on track to be number one with a site score of 24.4 as at the 5th of August, 2023. And events at the University of Queensland. Her research interests lie in the role of tourism and events as tools of social change and focuses on inclusivity for marginalized communities within the area of events and tourism. Welcome, Faith. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Afia. It's a pleasure to be here today. How are you as well? I'm very well, thank you. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself before we start off? Sure. Well, I live in Brisbane, which is the capital city in the state of Queensland in Australia. As a researcher at the University of Queensland, I would like to first acknowledge the Turbal and Yagara people as the traditional owners of the land on which I work and live. Well, Queensland is a very large state. We are home to the famous Australia Zoo founded by Steve Irwin. And over in Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary, we have the biggest koala sanctuary, sanctuary with over 100 koalas on site. There are many beautiful nature destinations that tourists can explore within an hour or two of Brisbane. And throughout the state, we have attractions such as the dinosaur fossils in Outback Queensland and theme parks for a great day out in Gold Coast, right beside all of those beautiful beaches that you know of. Brisbane is really a growing destination with so much to offer, not to mention the 2032 Brisbane Olympic and Paralympic Games. So the opportunities to explore how tourism and events can impact visitation, visitors, and communities are bountiful and wide-ranging in this area. Thank you so much, Faith. And this is a very good segue into your recently published research article. It's titled Growing the Significance of Events and Changing Tourism Geographies, a very new area, as you rightfully described. Do you want to tell us a bit um, about what inspired you to do this research, research sorry, in particular? Well, as you might have surmised from my introduction, I'm interested in events and their role in society. I believe in the full participation of people in the places they live, work and play. And I think that community events ought to be exactly that for the community. This means I'm curious about what events can do for the societies in which they operate, these spaces that host them and convey their attendees from place to place. How do events reflect contemporary values and attitudes? And how can we proactively design events that um, can be spaces where people feel welcomed? This means looking at events beyond just paid spaces, critically examining what it means for events and stakeholders when they co-opt traditionally public spaces and how that can impact the communities in which they operate. So I'm also quite interested in fostering a welcoming <laughs> atmosphere at events. And so that has naturally extended for me into research focusing on accessibility for people with disabilities and other marginalized communities such as the LGBTQ plus communities. Traditionally, 
events, like many other public spaces, have catered very much to the majority. And this can lead to inadvertent neglect for those who sit outside of this majority. Mind you, this exclusion is not always intentional, and it's usually an artifact of how things have always been done. Regardless, I am interested in the study of how events can change to be more inclusive of those who have sat on the sidelines for too long so that they can become part of the communities that they live and operate in as well. Very interesting, Faith. And I, I noticed there's a very wide range of themes sort of came up in your paper, especially in terms of what types of research is already existing. Do you mind covering some of the main themes that you saw coming out of typical event tourism geographies? Certainly. Um, so my co-author, Willem Kutzi, and um, from West Western Sydney University and I, uh, we sought to open the field of um, the, the events field of study in relation to tourism geographies. So we trolled through the tourism geography archives and found 30 events related publications from the journal. And we combined this with research from other major journals in the area as well, such as the International Journal of Events and Festival Management, for which I am the co-editor, and the Event Management Journal. Um, and so Willem and I went from uh, went to look at these key existing topics um, and from those topics then also then jumped into the future potential areas of research. So you know there's always been an interest in um, festivals and events and within tourism geographies of course these have always been part of uh, the research to do with events. Largely much of the research has focused on mega events and how they impact residential communities. Um, hosting, participating in and supporting events can um, reflect as well as impact how people view the spaces that they occupy, whether it is their own, whether it is somebody else's, or whether it has been taken over by somebody else. So events have this wonderful way of not just mirroring the character of a place, but also over time, shaping interactions between residents and attendees or visitors. So what Tourism Geographies has done in this space has really been to look at how events impact collective identities in terms of formation, consolidation and articulation of these identities. Within Tourism Geographies, um, events have, have been examined in ways that uh, bring together also communities of interest, so not just residential communities. Um, and key to, key to these are also sporting events, the Olympics and the World Cup, for example, um, in particular, that tend to bring together people who have a collective interest that they want to share with each other. So these temporary forms of gatherings can lead to networks that impact relationships and camaraderie beyond the event itself. Thank you so much, Faith. Very interesting, especially the fact um, that you sort of looked at the collective identities um, within these specific places and spaces. I, th I saw another key theme coming out, especially fitting for you, seeing that you're there in Brisbane and, you know, we have the Brisbane Olympics to be probably the first event heading to net zero. Do you have any specific findings or um, any key um, areas or insights that you kind of uncovered on that theme or that theme around sustainability that you would like to share with us? 
Thank you, absolutely. And thank you for picking those up because, um, as I mentioned, when we approached this paper, we really wanted to keep an eye on the future. And, and wow, there were so many things that we wanted to write about. I reckon the ideas could have filled twice the paper that we eventually published. So as, as with um, all difficulties with um, research papers, we've always had to keep it quite succinct and, and straightforward. So we gathered focus on three broad areas society, resources, as well as the environment, as, as you mentioned. Um, in general terms, there's a, a broader range of events that we think um, could actually be studied. Your hallmark events, your growing events, your new events that are coming up in terms of different formats, as well as different content. And in an increasingly globalized world, what can events really do for cultural identities? And that's an interesting one to think about because as people bring their identities across the world? Um, what can events do for residential populations or the scattered diaspora that goes around the world? Events are so important as gathering spaces and they're necessarily temporary in nature. Okay, so what does an event leave beyond the event itself? And that's partially about leg legacies, but it's also about what can events encourage in terms of networks and cooperation? How can they inspire people to be flashpoints of change and innovation in society? What kinds of legacies do they leave behind for places that host them? And I believe that, that events should make a positive contribution to the places that have provided the space for their event objectives to be achieved. That's the least they can do. Good health and well-being is also a big part of the SDGs. And so events ought to be explored in terms of attendees, communities, psychological, physical well-being for the youth, for families, for singles, for the elderly, and for a great broad cross-section of society. Events will necessarily also require resources. So whether these are resources that are physical resources or human resources. There can be a lot more exploration that can be done into the need, the use, and the care or stewardship of any of these resources. In terms of the human resource, what does the nature of events mean in terms of workforce security for a place? What does intergenerational job security look like for the creative industries that support events? When an event it's like a whirlwind and it whisks in and out of a place. What does this do to and for the transient workforce that supports it? What does it do in relation to workers' rights, cannibalization of local labor, reasonable working conditions? All of things are important issues that I think are going to come to the fore um, and become ones that we have to grapple with sooner rather than later. And that kind of rounds back to your original question about net zero, which is to do with environmental sustainability. How do we design events that can minimize its negative impact? We don't just want positive impact, we also want to minimize the negative impact as well. And indeed, optimistically, even how can we think about the regenerative potentials of events and how we can embed those into not just legislation, but also standards and obligations um, for the industry um, in terms of how event operations can be for the future. Perhaps some of the solutions might lie in technology, 
where the move towards virtual events and the use of artificial intelligence in customizing event experience may have impact on how events are hosted and leveraged for the future. I truly believe that there will be many innovative and interesting ways in which we can co-op technologies that can help us reduce the negative environmental impact that we have on the earth. Right? And this can then sort of um, influence the, the environmental footprint of every single event that can take place um, long after the event has come and gone. So we're concerned really when writing this paper, we had a lot of debate as to what we really wanted to spotlight. And those were kind of the three key areas under the multiple subheadings that we had. Thank you. And that's very trending in terms of not just the scope of where events should go, but even in terms of what, as you mentioned, consideration for the human geography and I, and I guess identities of those people that not only are residents, but, you know, probably diaspora and so forth. And also fitting in terms of, you know, the coverage around trying to sort of reimagine how events could be to ensure their sustainability. Um, like for me currently, I'm in Edinburgh, which could be considered like a, a, an event city. And there's a lot of consideration in terms of even, you know, reusing certain items, you know, in terms of even supplier procurement, making sure, you know, they as well have a lesser footprint. And I know Australia is is, is leading the way as well in, in some of these um, sustainable practice. So thank you so much for sharing. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, but before we do, is there any other key insights you would like to highlight or probably even, you know, propose to the research community based on, on some of the things that, that you uncovered? I think what you just brought up as the Edinburgh festivals is a really great idea of or a great example of how when you come together as one um, and you understand working with each other as not just a competition or not just partners, but truly collaborating with each other can really help with um, reducing the impact, uh, the negative impacts and perhaps leveraging on each other to increase the positive impact of, of each individual event. I think the future is within our grasp and We've got to be bold in terms of imagining what uh, what we want for the future. As I mentioned before, we had a number of different ideas that didn't make the final cut for the paper. Mm -hmm. So to support some of the future research ideas that I, I believe not just Willem and I, but many people in the um, event field of research would like to do, we actually have an event study special interest group at the next Cothy conference in February 2024, where the special interest group will actually host a roundtable discussion. Then these roundtable discussions are designed to encourage research projects in these areas. So what you're asking about in terms of, you know, what kinds of things can be done, we have ex we have invited experts to chair each roundtable. Um, experts in sense of belonging, in um, manpower and entrepreneurship, transformational experiences and technology and these will all be leaders who will um, lead discussions on uh, projects for the future and I'm really excited to see what comes out of those discussions. Most definitely so I guess we have to watch this space. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's so amazing and, and I like that again you know that collaborative effort that, that we tend to create around the event space so kudos to everyone involved for that. 
And just a general question in terms of, you know, you've had a, a long career in in research, um, utilizing even industry projects as well. Do you have any key tips or any key learnings that you would like to share with the research community, particularly the early career researchers out there? Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. I think I think it's an interesting question to ask because that's a question I have to ask myself as well. Mm-hmm. What what would I say possibly to um, to myself now or even a, a younger version of myself earlier in my career? I'd say do work that you find meaningful. Examine how your work can impact communities that you champion and that you care about. Because this career is potentially a long-term one for yourself. Um, and so every setback, don't treat it as a um, major issue, every setback is merely a hiccup that can be overcome in bringing you closer to that long-term career goal. So always keep your eye on the prize in the long term and do things that are meaningful for you. Very sage advice indeed, Faith. Thank you so much for sharing that. And to conclude, in the spirit of Tourism Geographies community, we tend to like to connect agents of knowledge exchange and encourage humanizing the tourism and geographic research landscape. So I would like to leave with you a question from one of our previous guests um, that is aligned with, I guess, your research, um, but more so, I guess, your personality because it's very um, relaxed. So one of our past um, interviewees had left the question, what do you do in your leisure and what book are you currently reading? (laughs) I enjoy fiber arts in my leisure. So things to do with textiles, threads, knitting, crocheting, embroidery. These are things that I picked up in the course of completing my PhD, um, but have continued uh, indulging as part of my relaxation process um, in, in my spare time. As well as the books that I am reading, I'm actually reading two books right now. The first is a bit related to my work or to work in general, and it's Mm -hmm. a book called Radical Candor. um, And it's about communicating directly, but kindly. And it's a book by Kim Scott. I'm really interested in putting that into practice. The other book that I'm reading is more of a fiction book. So my sister-in-law is a middle school fiction writer and she writes wow. for middle school audiences. I have really enjoyed um, going into the walls that she has created and her latest book called Meet Me at the Moon Tree actually deals with um, loss and grief. And that's wow. been a really interesting book to explore from a young person's perspective. So these are the two books that I've been reading um, oh. in my free time these past few days. <laughs> that's very interesting. And what's the author name for, is it Moon? Meet Me <laughs> meet at the Moon, the moon Tree. Um, oh, yeah, Meet Me at the Moon Tree. My, yeah, what's her, what's her name? Siobhan Plaza, S-H-I-V-A-U-N. P-L-O-Z-Z-A. Oh, that's interesting. I would probably actually take a dig into reading that. That sounds very interesting. I'll send you a link. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Faith, uh, that concludes our interview today. Thank you so much for making the time and joining us and sharing some very rich insights and even some key takeaways um, for us researchers that even delve in the space of events and geographies. And I do wish you a very good day. Thank you so much. Thank you for, thank you for this opportunity, Afia. Have a good day too. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our guests and thank you, our dear listeners, for joining us on this episode of the Tourism Geographies podcast. We look forward to you tuning in to the next episode. I am a fear holder. Bye for now.